Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hey, 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 what's up, cheeseheads? Well, weren't we all a little bit cheeseheaded? Rooting for our boy Aaron Rodgers, the one solo, well, not solo, because Cole Beasley had spoken out of the Buffalo Bills fame, but uh, they are now eliminated from the playoffs in the NFL. And uh, yeah, I was sad to see it. Aaron Rodgers knocked out in an ugly, ugly game of NFL footballs over the past weekend here. And I know maybe some of you aren't that into football. I am. I enjoy football, even though I acknowledge, yes, the NFL is quite adept at pushing the jingoism, the patriotism, the empire building that America has become so famous for. And of course, into conning many, many people into signing up for the uh, military might of the United States, helping to push the narrative that we are a force for global good. And meanwhile, just sending boys and girls off to die in foreign lands that really have zero impact on them. Which, by the way, I did my uh, Good Morning Fuckhead, which of course... You can find Good Morning Fuckhead Rants every day at our Patreon or our locals, patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty or lionsofliberty.locals. My morning rants, five to seven to ten minutes here on a topic. Today I was talking about Jen Psaki and her language of empire, namely talking about how she's talking uh, about the eastern flank of the, she, the way it sounds. Our eastern flank, right? She's talking about NATO countries. She's talking about Russia and the Ukraine, which I'm not really going to get into today. I'm going to save it. Talk about that maybe uh, maybe next week. Maybe I'll bring in, uh, I'm going to have Antony Samaroff on next week's episode. Maybe I'll talk a little bit about that with him since he hails from the EU. But uh, yeah, Jen Psaki saying our eastern flank as though the United States is in Europe. But regardless, clearly the terms of empire, right? The language of empire. So, yes, I acknowledge the NFL's role in empire building and uh, by virtue of all of the patriotism, they get paid gobs of money from the Navy, the Army, the Marines, you name it. They're getting money for it, rolling out the American flag, flying the jets over the stadiums, all that good shit. By the way, I got gypped. I was in Tampa Bay for the worst football game ever played two weekends ago. My beloved Eagles got crunched by uh, the Brady Buccaneers, who then in turn got eliminated. And I'm looking, looking up, figure, let's see my tax dollars at work here. You know, fly me over a stealth fighter. Fly me over some Blue Angels. Fly me over something that's going to make a lot of noise, that's going to terrify children. You know, give me that feeling of a uh, of a young Afghani looking into the skies and seeing my imminent doom coming down on me. And instead, I was simply treated to what looked like a 747. <laughs> I was like, this is the fucking playoffs. Can you get a better airplane to fly over this if my tax dollars are paying for it? Anyway, one of the things that did happen, though, of course, as I said, Aaron Rodgers has been outspoken in his critiques of vaccines, of vaccine mandates. He trolled the living hell out of the left, which was hilarious on a recent appearance, wherein he had Ayn Rand behind him. He had, at, I think it was Atlas Shrugged, or either that or it was the fountain. I think it was Atlas Shrugged, though, was behind him on a bookshelf. And when asked about it, Aaron Rodgers said, I put that specifically on the bookshelf behind me because I knew it would drive people crazy. That's hilarious. Even if he hasn't read it, and he said he hasn't, he goes, oh, it's too long. I haven't read it. I understand, man. I haven't read it either. Yep, I know. Go ahead, send me your hate mail. I haven't read it either. I, I don't feel the need. I, I should just to see how it's written from a, uh, a narrative pr perspective as a writer myself, but it is long. I don't have time. Maybe I'll listen to it on book or on book. Maybe I'll listen to it on tape, which is how I imbibe most of my content now, even though I avidly do enjoy reading, but God, I just don't have the time. But I love Aaron Rodgers, and I always appreciate him as a, a fellow dick. Hail fellow dick well met, I guess you could say, is my opinion of Aaron Rodgers. I admire his skills as a quarterback, even though he hasn't had a, a, a ton of success winning Super Bowls. But I was heartbreaking to see him lose in this past playoffs, mostly because I wanted, just as Aaron Rodgers trolled the left with his Atlas shrugged on the shelf behind him, because he knows these people lose their minds over the smallest shit, I wanted to 
enjoy the seething hatred should he have won the Super Bowl. He still may get MVP. You know, it's possible. Maybe typically maybe the Super Bowl winner, maybe Patrick Mahomes will win it overall, but he could still get MVP. I want him to be MVP of everything. Defensive player of the year. I want him to get that. I want him to get awards for, for women's water polo. I don't care what it is. I want to see him get these awards as somebody that was willing to speak out, take the slings and the arrows, and it is a contract year, basically, where he can either get traded or signed away by another team. And he's very close and made it clear he wants out of Green Bay. So, interesting timing. But the player of his caliber probably won't matter what his politics are, but you wonder if it would come into play at all. So, risky time, but still... He's making solid points about how insane it is that they're forcing these players to get them. How the the NFL has now dropped. Coincidentally, though the playoffs starts, mm, COVID went away, guys. Good news, COVID went away in the NFL. No more no more positive tests. No more people being held out of games during the playoffs. Weird, because you know a week before, the Eagles had seventeen players on the COVID list. Now, yeah, two weeks ago they had zero. Uh, Nobody from any of the playoff games is out for COVID. Just gone. Gone with the wind. Amazing how that happens. But it goes to showcase just how ridiculous, just how farcical all of this has been to begin with, and how the vast, vast majority of these players are simply asymptomatic. They were testing. No more testing of asymptomatic players, right? The vast majority of players had the sniffles at worst. And I'm sure some of them have some symptoms. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure with how prevalent Omicron is, with how fast it spreads, some of these players have symptoms and they're just going, looks like a cold to me. Let's keep that under wraps because we want to get that money. We want to advance in the playoffs. We don't need this black guy right now. So rest in peace, Aaron Rodgers, Super Bowl hopes, but may he live on trolling through the off season. I pray to you, almighty Omicronius, let it be so. <laughs> Uh, so I titled the episode, uh, and by the way, I want to tell you guys, I, I mentioned our Patreon, uh, please go support us there or on locals. You know, we've got, as I said, my show, good morning, fuckhead. We're wrapping up degenerate gamblers, which is our season long during the NFL season show where we gamble. We let you gamble with us. If we lose, if you can beat us and right now we've had some people that are, that are looking like they're going to win some merch. We send you a t-shirt, right? You get it, and it's for free. We let you play for free. That's just our way of thanking our patrons. But we have a lot of fun, a lot of uh, trash talk, a lot of gambling and wagers being made. And of course, if you want to use those in the real world and make you some money, you go after and you go get it. I've done pretty well this season personally, which is always nice. But we are, it's also have the Conspiracy Corners. They're recording another one, I think, this upcoming week. We also have my Do Nothing Man episodes. I'm going to be uh, issuing another one of those very soon. We also have our uh, extra, you know, streams you can get on our Facebook page. You can watch those live streaming on, well, <laughs> we're back on YouTube for now. So you can watch those with our YouTube links and watch that stuff live in addition to interviews, bonus content, et cetera. So join there, patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty or lionsofliberty.locals. So I titled the episode. Don't let them disarm you. Now, you might be going, what the hell are you talking about? I haven't seen any new gun legislation out there aimed at, a, at least not on a federal level. There's always some Democrat somewhere trying to take away your guns on a local or state level. But I mean this more overarchingly because I just couldn't help noticing that everything going on right now is in an effort to disarm you. Now, this could take different ways, different uh, styles of approach, be it kind of like Kung Fu, right? There's hard Kung Fu, which is when you're, you know, you punch it with all your might. Then there's kind of the soft Kung Fu. There's, you know, move like the water Kung Fu, flow with your enemy, kind of the Judas soft flow, use your enemy against him type of thing. The government's using all approaches here, but they're going after you to try to disarm you in the different ways in which you hold power right? The ways in which you can arm yourself against government, against somebody taking away your freedom, your liberty, right? And we look at what they've been doing. We already know there's a full-out assault on weaponry. That much we see. We see it back and forth on a daily basis. You can see why it's so vitally important for the government to take away your weapons. You have a situation like Australia has where you can literally, oh, my dog, of course, she's going to fucking bark right in those, literally have concentration camps for people that don't want to be vaccinated. You have scenarios like in Spain, in, uh, in the Basque region, where you've got 
the government beating people in the streets because they didn't want to go along with, you know, I can't, I, I'm blanking on what the actual thing was. It was like two years ago now, but they objected to some government measures. They're being beaten in the streets, beaten by the cops. There's no guns there. They can't fight back. You have these situations happening all over the world at all times in places where guns have been removed. So of course, guns are always going to be at the forefront. You have in London where the, the knife attacks have, sp- have uh, skyrocketed. Them talking about restricting what knives you can buy in the stores. So obviously that's going to be something they want to restrict. So that's the literal definition of disarming you. But that's not what it's all about. That's one of the many ways in which they want to try to keep you complacent, to keep you uh, from being able to defend yourself. Of course, the second way we've seen a lot of attacks on is information. They want to disarm you in ways in which you can imbibe content or information or narratives or straight facts that don't agree with the overarching narratives. We saw, you know, Mark just had Dell Bigtree on. Now, Dell, you don't have to agree with everything he's putting out there. But if you listen to that interview, he does talk about putting out information about these vaxes that may not go with what you've heard, with what your doctors told you, with what the CDC is telling you. Now, he's sending you emails with straight facts and stats that he wants you to make your own decisions of, and it's important to do that. You know, don't listen to my word for it on anything I'm telling you. Don't listen to Mark's word. Don't listen to Dell's word. Don't listen to John's word. You have to make your own choices in life, but they want to seek to make that almost impossible. Now, we're seeing different ways in which they're blocking content being shared. We see Countries like, again, Australia, which can block different websites from even getting through to their population. We see what's going on with Google in Australia. We see they're, they're blocking content being shared because they want Google to share and pay out these news people, but blah, blah. It's like, there's all these layers, but the end result is that you're not getting information. You're not getting news stories. The government can turn off that spigot. Now, we look at cases like in Cuba, and you see that they can turn off the internet as a whole with the flick of a switch. Now that gives, since everything on, is on the internet now, that essentially gives them full control over the narrative, what's coming in and out as far as information's passed, unless you have a fleet of carrier pigeons. Unless you have somebody that's physically flying in to deliver that news, it's going to be coming through the newspapers, which are easy to edit, easy to control. Look at what Russia did back in the day with all their various uh, Pravda outlets. And now we also look at Facebook, Social media, the interactions and the ties in with government there, the quote unquote fact checkers, which are simply activists working in regards to name a topic, climate change, which is another divisive issue. And I'll get back to that because property is another way to disarm you. Climate change, COVID vaccines, election information, quote disinformation, foreign information slash disinformation. So we see the common trend here controlling information and thus disarming your ability to fight back against them in information warfare or to have a candid discussion with your family, with your friends, with your neighbors to figure out who is in fact your enemy and who you have more in common with than you do in differentiation. We see how many people hate each other, outwardly hate each other, call for the destruction of each other, call for deplatforming, call for people to be thrown out of schools districts, call for children to be sent home. This is information warfare. This is arming people. And we are, trust me, from the viewpoint of these people in power, we are soldiers. Without a doubt. They look upon us, the Democratic Party looks upon the people that they've conned into thinking that racism is the the sole thing that controls the actions of this country, uh, that have conned people into believing that COVID is going to kill you instantly and that you go to the hospital 50% of the time if you catch it. That uh, or the GOP that has convinced, well, not just the GOP, neocons or neoliberals that have convinced everybody that we have to go to war over the Ukraine. They are enlisting soldiers. And the easiest way to enlist soldiers is information flow control. Why do you think I'm talking about the NFL? Why do you think I'm talking about all of that messaging that's put out there? The flying of the flag, the uh, the Pledge of Allegiance in these in these uh, government schools, these corporate-run government schools, to convince you, to convince your children, to wean you onto their point of view and to enlist you as soldiers, compliant, willing, complicit soldiers. So information, disarm you and take away your ability to figure out what's real, what's fake. Another one. Property, right? I mentioned climate change. 
Now, Klaus Schwab, who, of course, has now been mentioned in, uh, in many recent interviews, uh, not just on our podcast, but on other podcasts. Klaus Schwab, who is famous for the Great Reset, is part of this World Economic Forum, which is to blame for quite a few of the more rabid, fanatical leftist slash progressive proposals that are being put forward as far as taking away things like property in the name of climate change, right? In climate change, you can't be trusted to run your own farm. You can't be trusted to buy uh, your own car with its uh, proper fuel. You can't be trusted to farm in the correct way. You can't be trusted to build your house in the correct way, right? And we're seeing these regulations be pushed through. In the UK, they're talking about literally forcing people to tear off their roofs because of climate change, right? Because they have to have only the finest insulation in people's houses because otherwise you're wasting precious fuel. You're wasting precious gas to, you know, just allow it to seep out into the atmosphere. So there's proposals on the books and people are out there protesting, right? The soldiers for the cause are protesting and chanting and cheering to get this motion passed that would force people to tear off their roofs and rebuild them at great personal cost, either to the taxpayer or to the persons themselves, right? Or the landlord, whoever it might be. This is an attack on property. This is an attack on your own personal freedom to live your life as you see fit in your domicile to control what happens in your own house. Same thing with this promise that we will no longer have property, right? Everybody will rent and you'll be so happy because of it. Again, this is an assault on property. Property is power. Why do you think the government and governments worldwide maintain so much control over land? Why do you think the federal government, even on land that they've never had any real claim to, considers something like you know, 50% of the available, uh, available land in the United States to be federal property, not state property, where it should rightly, if there is a quote-unquote right way to do it, it would be that the states own those lands. But no, the federal government owns those lands, even though they reside in the States. You're not allowed to homestead them. You're not allowed to take that land, make it into something that's yours, even though they're not doing shit with it. But it's theirs because land is property, right? Your land is power, excuse me. And property is power. And the federal government knows that all too well. That's why we have borders. That's why we have fences and protections and soldiers in the first place. Property is power. And you have the amount of property that you own Dictates quite a bit of power in as far as how you affect your legislation, how you affect your local governments, how you affect the people around you. It is power personified. If you own enough land, for Christ's sake, you can develop your own little army, right? The government knows this. They acknowledge this. And thus, they want to attack your property. They attack your, again, disarm you from having that lever of power as a wedge against them or to influence other people to act against them, or even just as a simple measure of protection, right? If nobody owns property, well, then you can be evicted at any time. And that comes far more easy when you talk about money and how they're trying to disarm your ability to control, own, spend your own money at your own will. We talked about digital currencies. We talk about how Bitcoin is a wonderful thing, and it is. But now you have China, now you have the United States, now you have France and Germany, and all of these other countries, the UK, designing their own digital currencies. But they put this little caveat in. In the UK, there's a very specific caveat that's being pushed back against, which is that they can limit what you spend that money on. But let's not forget, they can also track you. The great thing about paper money is they can't track you where you're going. You can escape. You can get away. You can go somewhere else and you can trade that currency in, in a faraway land to get the hell out of Dodge. Now, governments have put into place, and especially the United States, Measures where even if you want to leave the country, now you want to expatriate yourself. Well, guess what? They still want a huge chunk of your income. Call it an exit fee, right? Huge chunk of your income because it's all in digital currency, right? The majority of what you own is in your bank accounts. They can, they can track it. They can keep it. Now, imagine that's digital currency. You want to leave the country? We're going to close that bank account. We're going to deny your ability to bank, to access your own money. And if it's digital currency, well, we can turn it off. If you dare to leave the country, we can have an automatic switch, which turns off should you try to use our currency outside of these borders. Now, you pair that, right, that ability to turn off funding with this political environment wherein, and I don't, I can't remember if I talked about this or not, Mike Lindell, right, the My Pillow guy. Mike Lindell, as far as I can see, 
His only crime is that he put out information or opinion that was contrary to the narrative, predominantly about the elections, saying that it was stolen. Now, this, of course, going back to information disarming you and your ability to fight information with other information or decide for yourself what is truth and what is not truth, that sin against the state has now reached a zenith wherein his accounts, right, his bank accounts have been turned off. He is no longer able to bank with, you know, whatever it was, uh, mid-bumblefuck, you know, trust, <laughs> whatever they were called. That's been turned off. Now he has to find another financial institution to take him. But now, because the precedent has been set that, that he is such a dangerous man, according to the government, according because he dared to voice a sentiment that wasn't in line with the government narrative, he is such a dangerous man. If you're a banker, are you going to take his money or not? Especially as you have these mega banks through, you know, they're talking about fighting big tech, fighting big banks and all this other shit, but big banks have still bought up little banks all over the country. You're probably going to depend on a smaller bank to take that on because the big corporate banks, they probably already have their hands in the pockets of the government and vice versa. They've got lobbyists. They can ex they can have a lot of pressure exerted on them not to take his account. So it would probably be some smaller bank that says, this is a big account for us. This is probably the biggest account that we're ever going to have. We'll take that chance. But we'll see what happens. Just like with Donald Trump. I don't know. I'm guessing Donald Trump's found somebody else to take his MAGA hats and all that other stuff that they turned off and didn't allow him to sell after January 6th. But I simply don't know. But it all comes into disarming you. Because if they can disarm your ability to make money, they can disarm your ability to buy property because you have no money. They can disarm your ability to leave the country to find something else because they're turning off your your money, your passport. They're turning off your uh, your your information and your ability to uh, to access the internet to even research where you would go, what you would do. These are all the tools of government to disarm you. So, long story short, fight back against anything that even remotely resembles an attack on any of the four things I just talked about, because they are all intertwined. They are all arsenals with which you can pull something out to try to push back against the government. And there is a reason why they're going after those specifically. Now, if that stressed you out thinking about all that, I will tell you a way that you can relieve a little of that stress. And that is by going to Paloma Verde CBD.com. Yes. Paloma Verde CBD.com run by two libertarians, a libertarian couple, if you will. And they have some of the finest CBD products out there. Tinctures, salves, Lavender scrubs, maybe not a scrub, but I know they have a lavender solvent. I just literally today, I was golfing this morning. I went, I went and did back and arms yesterday at the gym, right? Felt great about myself. Some chick hit on me in line at the grocery store. She was in the National Guard. She was warning that we were going to get locked down and curfewed next week. I told her I believed her. <laughs> and I fucking do believe her. But I must have tweaked something. And this morning I'm out golfing and, you know, I haven't played in a while. We had no warm-up time. So I'm going with a buddy of mine before work. Whack that first shot immediately. I'm like, fuck, I'm screwed. So I'm going to use some CBD and relax, rub it in there and get my, uh, my, my little respite from the pain I'm in right now. They also have, so, you know, if you want your dog to chill out, they got stuff for pets too. Check that out. Use promo code ROAR, R-O-A-R, at PalomaVerdeCBD.com, P-A-L-O-M-A-V-E-R-D-E-C-B-D.com, promo code ROAR. You are going to get 25% off an order of 75 bucks or more, free shipping, guys. Check that out. Give them some ducats. They are good peeps. Um, okay, coming back in. Oh, by the way, I'll tell you a funny little story. <laughs> Talking about, so I was debating... Uh, coming out and, and doing a little background thing, right? With dry ice. Cause I, my uh, kid's birthday party is, and don't worry, this is going to kind of come around to the, what I'm going to talk about in a minute, but my kid's birthday party is coming up this weekend. Of course, we're not making any, we're not making sure anybody's vaxxed. We're not making sure any kids wear fucking masks. Cause my kid has to wear masks in school now, but not just a cloth mask, not just a cute little cloth mask, which she was excited to wear. Right. Cause my kid's been indoctrinated now. She's a mask Nazi. My little girl, she's like mask, mask. Put the mask. Like, great. Wonderful. Wonderful. I'm like, daddy doesn't have to wear a mask. Ugh. No, just kidding. I don't, I don't beat her. Not yet. But they're making them wear the, the stupid pretend medical masks, which are the paper masks, which don't do anything. 
didn't do any more than the cloth masks. But California, in all its wisdom, and I believe the CDC as a whole has recommended that all schools force children to wear paper masks rather than the cloth masks. They don't fucking do anything. Again, the microns go right through them. We all know the N95 or N98 masks are the only ones that do anything. And even those, dubious, and are not made for long-term wearing or usage. Whatever. Come back to the story. So we're having this party this weekend. My wife orders a bunch of ice cream from this brand called Jenny's, which uh, if, I, if I wasn't sure they hate me and everything I stand for, I would hit them up for free ice cream after giving them a plug on this show. But it's really good ice cream. J-E-N-N-I. J-E-N-N-I. Jenny's ice cream. So we get it shipped to us and it comes with dry ice. And I'm like, oh, man, I should totally get this dry ice, pop it in some water and emerge like I'm out of a WWE wrestling video, you know, come storming out here on the stage. And... Uh, yeah, I decided against it, mostly because I had a horrible experience when I was working as a kid. I was like 17 years old, 18 years old, working at Sesame Place, which is a theme park back on the East Coast. The first and only theme park for Sesame Street. It was located next to a mall in the middle of fucking nowhere in Fairless Hills, Pennsylvania. And they're building one in San Diego now, by the way, but this was the only one that existed at the time. And I was a uh, guy that walked around doing acting and stuff. I was doing like a spooky, kooky castle magic show and uh, strolling characters like a pirate. Yeah, just having a good old time as a kid. But the one day there was a parade right down Main Street. Every, you know, every theme park has a parade. And I'm going down Main Street and uh, I'm in this like nerd character, right? It's, or it's actually it was like a Billy, not Billy Holiday. Shit. What is his name? The guy that died, like, along with the big bopper. Anyway, kind of a, a, a dorky guy with glasses and a checkered jacket, right? Kind of like an old school piano riffing guy. And I dance around, and I was doing this thing where these people come around with coolers, and they have popsicles in them. And they have dry ice in the cooler to keep the popsicles frozen in the hot, hot sun of the Philadelphia region in the summertime. And I'm dancing around, and I stuck my hand in the cooler, and I'm pretending that, that the like the whale popsicles in the cooler were eating my hand. So I'm like, ah, 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 and I'm trying to make all the little kids laugh and they're just loving it. And I pushed my hand in too deep and burned the flesh off of my back of my hand so badly. It just like giant scar, uh, a good third of my hand from just pressing against that dry ice for too long. Gave me a nice ice burn. So no dry ice for the show today, guys. Long story short. Maybe, maybe if it's still around, maybe for the boring podcast tomorrow night, I'll break, I'll break it out, which, which you guys should listen to, by the way, the boring B O H R I N G podcast, me, Rico, Howie, Odie, just being hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. There's nothing out of bounds on that show. And it's uh, it's quite hilarious and you'll enjoy it. So join us there. We do it live 7 PM every Wednesday, Pacific time, 10 PM Eastern time. Join us. Won't you? So one thing I was laughing at. As I shake my head at the mass cult psychosis, right? As I shake my head at the ongoing vax conversations, as I shake my head about the continued ignoring of Iver, right? I'm going to try to not to get us flagged, so I'm going to try to use keywords now. <laughs> Let's just call it Iver despite the fact that it has been used, that studies have come out showing again and again that it is highly effective, not just in India, but now other studies have come out showing that Iver is a key and has uh, lowers the rates of, of uh, death by something, death and hospitalization by something like 56%. You have the Omicron variant, right? And we know that this is a far weaker variant. We know that it's not putting people in the ground. It's not putting people in the hospital that most people don't even know they have it or they have it and they get over it. We also know it's not a pandemic of the unvaccinated as it keeps being repeated, even though it's patently untrue. And we also have people saying that, well, it's only unvaccinated that are in the hospital, also patently untrue. In the UK, 80% of the people in the hospital are vaccinated. Here in the United States, you're seeing people and rates something like still 30 to 40% are vaccinated. Uh, unless you're lying, like the governor of New Jersey, who said that they had 600 COVID cases in the hospital and four of them were unvaccinated. Right. I'm sorry, four of them were vaccinated. That's utter garbage. There's no way that's, that's statistically possible considering everyone else's rates, but I digress. Point being, between all the people that have had it, between all the people with natural immunity, which the CDC itself said is now more potent, 
better, better lasting and more effective, especially against Omicron, we must be nearing somewhere near herd immunity. Despite this, you have Rachel or Raquel, Rochelle Walensky coming out and saying that we need an overhaul of our public health system. Now, that's pretty astounding considering the fact that the CDC and its terrible recommendations has put the country in the position it is, which is namely, you have supply chain issues, you have people out of work, you have great resignations going on, you have people that simply have accumulated so much wealth sitting on their asses they don't want to go back to work. You also have created a sub-industry where the testing, the injecting, the shipping, the you know X, Y, and Z, the, the people that have to be on site to monitor COVID protocols, right? In the, in the industry out here, like in Hollywood, the entertainment business, they have people that just sit on their asses, two or three of them, or depending on how, how big the size of the, the sets are, maybe even more, that just sit on their asses and monitor COVID protocols to make sure everything's going right. You have created an industry based around COVID. And that's not even adding to the amount of pharmaceutical uh, infrastructure you've built out, the billions of dollars paid to these companies. But no, even though Omicron's getting weaker, even though we see places like the UK giving up all of their COVID protocols and saying these things haven't worked and we're done with them, no more masking, no more vax passports. Well, no, Rachel Walensky or Raquel or whatever the fuck her name is, she says we have to rethink our approach to tackling COVID-19 by rebuilding the nation's public health system. Now, she's saying that as it enters its third year, they need, because it's going to turn endemic, which it, by the way, already is endemic. She says, quote, I really think people have thought this is the CDC's responsibility to fix public health in the pandemic. The CDC alone can't fix this. Businesses have to help. The government has to help. School systems have to help. This is too big for the CDC alone. You know what? I agree with her that it's too big for the CDC alone. You know why? Because you can't control a virus like this. You can't control a rhinovirus specifically. There is no vaccine that has ever worked for a rhinovirus. There's a reason that we don't have vaccines for rhinoviruses because they've been proven not to work ever in the history of the world. And yet, they didn't think this earlier on, right? They didn't think that it was too big for the CDC to take on previously. They didn't think it was too big to order people to lock down in their houses. They didn't think it was too big to shut down businesses. They didn't think it was too big to force students to stay home. They didn't think it was too big to literally remove all public education from the playing field and then pretend that doing it over Zoom was somehow a better option to the tune of 50% more failures. No, no, no. We need to really go for far more investment into the CDC, right? That's what they need. And she's calling for, well, let me try to find this exact what she's what she wants. No, I can't find it. She's saying that she wants a massive investment into not just more hiring of public nurses here, you know, in different states, more hiring of emergency room staff, but also let's not forget, they want way more administrators. They want way more data crunchers. They want way, way more statistician, stat, statisticians. That's a trick. You would say that three times fast. Statistician, statistician. Good luck. This kind of reminds me of the education system, right? All of these teachers unions, all of these government assholes, they call poverty, they call uh, malpractice in education saying, if only you would give us more money, if only you'd give us the money and the tools we need to succeed, we could turn this boat around, right? And this is a boat that's been sinking ever since the federal government took over education, by the way. At least before, it was state by state. You had some states that were excellent. You had some states that were shitty, but it wasn't just universally shitty like it is now. So they say, we're going to write the ship. What happens? They keep investing. Over and over and over again, millions and millions of dollars. You have school districts getting way more money than they ever had in the past. If you look at just the, the increase over the last five years, it's insane. It's like, yeah, I don't even know, like 200% more per student. But where does that money go? Oh, administrators. Oh, more executive staff. Oh, to this and that. Not to the actual you know, teachers involved. And then they say, oh, this is still a problem. And by the way, I don't think the teachers 
should get paid more money. If I'm being perfectly honest, I do not think they should be getting paid more money when they get three months of a year off, when they have so many benefits, they have so many paid days off, they have so, you know, the best retirement uh, funding out there where these people don't have to worry about putting their kids in daycare or sending them off to summer camp so they, they work over the summer, which is another expense that nobody calculates into the amount of money and time that costs people. But this reminds you of the similar thing, right? So instead of investing that money, let's say you did, let's say we did fund the CDC. Not that I think that investing a ton of money into nurses and emergency room doctors is going to make sense when we're not in a pandemic slash even if it's endemic, but it becomes endemic. It's just the cold. And as we're seeing the hospitalizations, the death rates are not skyrocketing. As we're seeing the world's not stopping. People are going about their daily lives. People are realizing this has all been a con and that the wool's been pulled over our collective eyes, nose, and mask, or mouths, excuse me, with these masks. And then it's time to just simply get back to life, get back to work, get back to con- controlling what we do without living in fear. So when I hear we need more statisticians, when I hear we need more data crunchers, when I hear we need more emergency room staff, all I hear is we're looking to waste more money and we're looking to create more fear. Because what started all this COVID culty craziness in the first place, stats, figures, bad modeling. Was it Nigel Ferguson, right? Or uh, I I think I fucked his name up so many times. I think it's Nigel Ferguson. The guy over at the, uh, you know, whatever, Royal College that released that first barrage of death rates that was so catastrophic that it set all like every government in the world set off unlocking people in their houses and destroying their economies and destroying people's lives. Uh, and two, almost three years later, you know, we're still in the midst of it. I put that squarely at the feet of statisticians and data crunchers, none of whom are acting in good faith, all of whom are acting to accentuate, to empower, to grow the government. And this Walensky chick is just one more. And also, is it going to help? I mean, she refused to correct the basics of misinformation, their favorite word that was put out by a Supreme Court justice, by Sotomayor. Now, thank God they struck down the OSHA mandate. By the way, OSHA has completely given up on that. It's gone. It's dead. It's not going to be around anymore. But Sotomayor said 100,000 kids were sick in the hospital with many of them on ventilators. And then when this piece of shit that heads up the CDC was questioned on Fox News about it. She could not even muster up the barest honesty to tell viewers, yes, Sotomayor is very wrong. This is all incredibly incorrect. No, instead she repeated, and I counted eight times in the interview, that you have to get vaccinated, that you have to get boosted. Even though we've seen the boosters don't work, the boosters have provided limited protection against Omicron. The vaccines don't seem to provide much of any protection against Omicron. And yet Pfizer and uh, I think you know one of the other ones, Moderna maybe. Oh, guess what, guys? They're working on a brand new shot for Omicron. What's the point? By the time it's out, we'll be on to a new variant. I don't. Th- I, I've seen more people get sick after having a shot than I am people that are perfectly fine after getting the shot walking around group didn't need it in the first place. And I'm also remembering that Pfizer's own CEO literally told us there's not going to be any more vaccines that make sense at this point. We think we're beyond that. Like this is Pfizer's own CEO. And the reason I surmise is because Pfizer's got a pill that they're going to try to get people to take to combat the rhinovirus that they're going to mandate we all do from now on. But no, of course, because there's money to be made. Even if it doesn't have to work, because we've seen it doesn't need to work. Pfizer and you know X, Y, and Z are, are creating this new booster vaccine for the Omicron variant. Just unbelievable. But yeah, going back to this investing in the CDC, overhauling public health, getting businesses involved. You try to get businesses involved with the OSHA mandate. It got struck down. If you try to get businesses involved again, it'll get struck down again because you're overstepping your constitutional boundaries. If you try to get this embedded into the education system, again, information control, developing soldiers, developing complicit people that are just going to kowtow to the information passed down to the state. And now their medical freedom being at risk. Well, 
I got to go push back against that too. I don't need the education system getting involved in healthcare matters. Those things should maintain complete separation. And of course, data, stats, wonderful. They haven't helped you told the truth anytime during this pandemic. The CDC knows how many people were vaccinated versus unvaccinated in hospitals. They've known how many people died from COVID with COVID for now, now for months. And they haven't put it out there to allay public fears, right? Only very recently did Fauci finally admit what they've known for months. But this woman wants to heavily invest in the CDC just so they can lie to us more, so they can manipulate us more. It's just, it's insulting. It's just absolutely insulting. My God. Now, this is funny. The end of this article well, near the end. Actually, it's an incredibly long article, but I love this. It's so funny. So there's they're portraying this. This is on Politico, which of course left-leaning. But they're calling it a shift in strategy. Not that the CDC has miserably failed at all fronts on this pandemic, that they've been wrong in everything they've recommended from the start of this pandemic. But they're saying her shift in strategy comes as the Biden administration scrambles to safeguard the nation against COVID-19 and keep the economy afloat as it prepares for the possibility of new, more transmissible variants. Now, the, the Biden administration is scrambling because they know that COVID's turning against them. The public sentiment has turned against them heavily and against Democrats heavily. The Democrats are terrified. They're going to be completely routed in the midterms, which is 100% going to happen. And this chick is simply a tool of the Biden administration. She's a tool of the Democratic machine. So she's operating as such and trying to misplace, displace blame, try to adjust the strategy to give people some idea that they have any fucking clue what they're doing, which they don't. And I love this, right? So he says, I would love to say I know exactly where we are in regards to new, more transmissible, transmissible variants. I would love to say I know exactly where we are because I think people really do want to know. But the most important thing that we can say is we don't know exactly where we're heading. Only true thing this chick has ever said. That's it. That's the only true thing she has ever said. Now, do you want to see some of what these uh, these women have wrought, these these um, scions of the pharmaceutical industry? Because I'll show you, right? If you want to see how this turns out, how this plays out in the public. And this is one of the funniest things, too, because you're going to see two progressive babies, right? Two, two children of absolute nonsense birthed into the world, which is, as I said, the earlier, the, the cult of COVID versus the cult of racism is overarching and is the most important issue of our day. You're going to see them come to the head here in a, the most confusing manner. <laughs> I mean, you're going to see two, and it's, you know, what are the, the most evil people in the world right now? Progressive white women, right? Progressive white women. You're going to see two older progressive white women masked up in an elevator, screaming and attacking a black man who is not wearing a mask in an elevator. And, I'm just going to leave the end of it so you can experience it, the little, the little cherry on top here. So let me cue this up and play it for you. Hopefully I can not overlap it so it doesn't uh, get all screwed up. But this is from a Twitter feed. Uh, Drew Hernandez shared this video, <laughs> and it is fucking dynamite. Get out. Get out. What you guys doing? Get out. What you guys doing? Get out. Get out. What you guys doing? Get out. Don't touch me. Don't you have to do not touch me. Get out. Do not touch me. I'm not touching you. Oh, did you just hit me? Did you just hit me? You just hit me. You just hit me. You two. All right. Anyway, that's enough of that. Uh, basically what happened, as I said, black guy in the elevator, no mask, two old white chicks in the elevator. Now, granted, maybe they're not speaking uh, English as a native language, right? I will, I'll acknowledge that. It might not be their native language. But they freak out because he's not wearing a mask. Get out. Literally, the chick, he, when he says, did you hit me? She hits him with his phone. They're videotaping him, right? And he's videotaping them. They're videotaping him. Hit him with the phone, shoving him out of the elevator. Forcibly. Trying to force him out of the elevator because he isn't wearing a mask. And then... What he goes, what's the, you know, this is, this seems pretty racist here. Then they yell, 
Black Lives Matter. Right? Now, here's what I'm trying to figure out. What's going through these people's minds? Are they trying to yell Black Lives Matter at him because they're trying to say we support the cause of Black Lives Matter to try to do, you know, we're not racist, even though I'm screaming at this this dude for not wearing a mask and, and uh, in an elevator who happens to be black. We're not racist. We just are psychotic because we think we're going to die of COVID, right? And I guarantee these chicks are triple vax, triple boosted. They both got their pretend medical masks on, right? Not the N95s, but the ones that they tell you you should wear now that don't do anything. Yelling Black Lives Matter. Okay, is it to say we support Black Lives, but we don't support you because you made a, de- a decision about your medical and your level of risk that we don't agree with, right? But, you know, Black Lives Matter. Or are they saying that he's evil and thus should be beaten because Black Lives Matter and he does not value his own black life nor that of his family and friends because he dares to go out in public and not wear a mask? That's your question of the day. That's your question of the day. And I dare you to try to figure out which one it is. I dare you. Tweet it at me. Let me know which one you think it might be. All right, now to wrap it up, I still forgot to do my Idiots and Assholes uh, song that uh, that Josh did for me, but AKA Toady. But I wanted to share this too, because this is a, it's a three minute, 36 long clip. And you know what I should do? I'll put in my earbuds here so I can just talk over it without having too much echo going on. But Brian Stetler, right? Uh, just such a little rat fucker. He goes in. And he is, uh, let me make sure my uh, damn audio didn't switch over to, because sometimes it does. Uh-huh. Damn, sons of bitches. There we go. Switched it back so it sounds nice. So Brian Stetler goes in, CNN's own host of Reliable Sources. He goes into an eighth grade classroom learning news literacy because he wants to make sure that they know the difference between what is misinformation and what is not misinformation. Now I want to share this because I just think it's too funny. I mean, this to me, I watched this tape, right? I watched this video of Brian Stetler in there and I was like, this looks like scared straight, but in reverse, right? Like, like, like usually the kids go to the prison to get yelled at and scared by prisoners, right? Oh my God, we're going to be gang raped in here. We better not commit crimes. Right, but they're seeing what happens if they go to prison, if they do those things. Brian Stetler's bringing all the evil in the world right to them. He's literally coming in and misinformation raping them right to their faces because he is responsible for so much misinformation. CNN is responsible for so much, just lies, utter lies to the public that it is too rich. So let me share this now. We can watch it together and enjoy a fantastic time. And uh, I do, by the way, I recommend you guys watch the video. Get on Twitter and, or I'm sorry, get on our YouTube, get on Odyssey, find us there. We don't know how long we'll be on YouTube. So subscribe to Odyssey. By the way, if you subscribe to Odyssey, you also can get our, our some of our live streams, most of which are going to go behind the paywall, but we are going to start streaming live to Odyssey to try to get your asses over there. Cause we want to build that channel up. So when YouTube eventually deplatforms us, which they do and which they will, we have our base over there ready to rock with us. And also we don't get stuff pulled down over there because Odyssey doesn't do that. Okay. Without further ado, here is uh, again, a three minutes, 30 seconds. I'll just kind of talk over it here and there. Good morning. Barbara King wants to arm this eighth grade class. All right, so today's topic is misinformation. With the tools they will need in a world of information saturation. We're going to learn to identify the various types of misinformation. And there is a lot to learn. They're called satire, false context. Satire is not misinformation, by the way. Manipulated content and fabricated content. Just imagine trying to make sense of all of this. As a teenager, you're too stupid to, to understand the difference. What does imposter mean? Trying someone trying to be someone else, right? You get that word was an imposter. So an imposter content uses either a well-known name, a brand, or a logo to fool people into believing that it's authentic. 
As the now, again, this is that could also be satire. Let's just say, like, I don't, I can't believe they're categorizing misinformation as satire. I guess this is because people are too stupid. And yes, we've seen this all the time. There's a great site called, you know, Not the Onion. I'm sorry, it's not Not the Onion. There's a site called Not the Onion that's funny too. But there's a, literally a site dedicated to documenting people too dumb to understand when something is satire, right? Sites like The Onion, sites like The Babylon Bee. So maybe that's what she's talking about. But to label it as misinformation is misinformation. I mean, the irony is right there, right in front of you. But it's so absolutely ignorant, so stupid, so... I mean, this is where we've devolved as a society, where people view humor, right? And this is why the left cracks down on comedians that dare to go against the narrative. This is why The Daily Show is unwatchable. This is why people like Sarah Silverman have turned on comedy. This is why people like, you know, Louis C.K., before he got slapped on the wrist, turned on comedy. This is empirically why this is happening, because the left is seeing the narrative get shifted. They're afraid of what's going to happen if they allow anybody to mock them. So they have to label it as misinformation. As the web becomes even more of a wild west every day, the students here at PS... Also, let me, I'm, I'm going to stop this a lot, by the because it's just, it pisses me off all the way through it. The web is becoming more of a wild west... I'm sorry, Brian Stetler. Have you been to the internet in the past 10 years? Did you see what the beautiful thing that was created used to be? Have you seen what social media used to be? Twitter, MySpace, Facebook even at its start, where they didn't censor information, where you'd have fucking fact checkers making sure that you're not going against what the government says or going against what the activists say or going against whatever the adopted narrative of the progressive left is of the day? Have you been there? Because it was a wonderful place. That was the Wild West. That was where you could go and be free and homestead and not worry about them deplatforming you if you got too popular. Or Neil fucking Young, what a goddamn rebel, calling for big tech, calling for Spotify to pull Joe Rogan's podcast off because, God forbid, Joe Rogan has an opinion where his stupid music is playing. PS 207 in Queens, New York know that they need these lessons. A lot of students have social media and if they're looking at stuff that is like wrong and just telling everyone that, that it's right and they're just giving everyone false information. King began teaching media literacy seven years ago. Why the initial impulse to teach about this? I feel it's a skill that, uh, that my students really need. Um, there's too much misinformation around us in the world and I want to give them some tools to make sense of what they're seeing. She uses curriculum from the News Literacy Project, a nonpartisan education. All right. I, you know, in, in hindsight, actually, let's just in real time, let's see where the News Literacy Project gets its funding from. Let's see who their partners are. And that'll teach us a lot about the secrets behind what this actually is. Okay, let's see. Let's go to the bottom here. Because most places, they'll have their funding listed. Okay. Join us for facts. Frequently asked questions. Let's see. Oh, they have the gold seal of transparency, which is hilarious. <laughs> is it nonpartisan? It says they are. Yeah, they're not telling me exactly who. Members of our board of directors and our National Leadership Council have worked across the political spectrum and have backgrounds in education, journalism, communications, businesses, and nonprofits. Uh-huh. Okay. About media partners. Let's see who their media partners are. Oh, 60 Minutes, ABC News, The AP, Bloomberg, BuzzFeed, CBS News, Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Tribune, CNN, The Financial Times, The Los Angeles Times, The New York Times, Politico, The Philadelphia Inquirer, NPR, The Pulitzer Center, KPCC, Univision, USA Today, The Washington Post, Vice News. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what we see here is that their nonpartisan national education nonprofit news literacy project is funded by 
only mainstream news sources who work hand in hand with governments, who work hand in hand with each other to control the narrative and as gatekeepers for what is quote unquote truth, what is quote unquote untruth, what is quote unquote misinformation, even though they get the fucking stories wrong 90% of the time. They're the ones that lie us into wars. They're the ones that fear monger the country into believing that COVID is going to come and kill everyone they know. They're the ones that are conning everybody into believing that climate change is going to kill them tomorrow and that the racism is going to overtake every neighborhood that we're that we're going to be uh, in a race for any day now. They're the ones that convince you your child's going to be kidnapped off the playground every time they go out unsupervised. They're the ones that are going to convince you that your neighbor's going to come over, shoot you in the face with a gun if we don't have legislation put into place. On, on, and on, and on, and on. And of course, they're the ones that attack any other news information source as illegitimate and want them deplatformed, want them censored, want them removed from the public conversation, from the public square. Well, so there you go. Nonprofit. Founder Alan Miller says these lessons are now used by more than 37. 37- and by the way, this is a fucking commercial by CNN for the News Literacy Project. And I guarantee you're going to see more of these. Watch. If you watch cable news, I don't, by the way. I only saw this because it was on Twitter. If you watch cable news, you're going to see these types of stories about this news literacy project across every single platform. Mark my words, it's coming because this is a coordinated effort to try to convince people that there is one source to be trusted and that misinformation is a huge problem that you can't trust any other source other than this news literacy project. You're also going to see this get fact-checked. They're going to be involved in fact-checking misinformation on your social media platforms. Watch and see. 7,000 educators. What do, I, what do I mean by, I want you to critically think about what you're seeing on the internet? The goal is to equip future generations of savvy news consumers. So in the picture, it looks like, like a car is like on a highway and there's like a shark in the water. And what was, okay, so what are we looking at? We're looking at uh, what type of uh, a social media? Only the most important content. <laughs> Kids, is there a shark in the road here? By the way, that looked like it was real to me. I believe there was a shark in the road. <laughs> what, is, what kind of account is that? Twitter. Twitter. It's an infamous fake, one that gets reshared every time there's a hurricane. <laughs> and these students are sharing tips so they don't get fooled. On Google, there is this little picture of a camera, and you can add the image in there, and it will reverse search. Yes. So, so ultimately, can find news literacy is about came. something bigger. It's about Easy basic enough. critical thinking skills. Correct. Yeah. Correct. How do you try to connect those dots? Um, now, wait a second, yeah, the irony of this. <laughs> Critical thinking skills are something that our education system, our media environment, and our government are trying to eliminate. When you see every news agency, and by the way, in context of our social media usage and sharing and the conversations we have, taking critical thinking out of the mix is part and parcel into what they're trying to do. This is how divisiveness is spreading in America, right? So when I see news literacy classes trying to, quote unquote, instill critical thinking skills, I call bullshit. They're trying to remove critical thinking skills from the equation so that you are not thinking you are simply imbibing what is being told to you. Critical thinking involves questioning. Critical thinking involves finding your own solutions, your own application of the information that you're taking in and coming to your own conclusion. That is critical thinking. Critical thinking is not simply taking a narrative and running with it. So if anything, if they want to inspire critical thinking, they should tell people to take one piece of information and then try to find other pieces of information that can either support it, but more importantly, that might contradict it to find an educated point of view and then use their critical thinking skills of logic, not just fucking fear. Use your logic side of your brain to actually come up with an opinion. Um, well, the, to me, this is a real world problem. It's uh, it's so it's very easy to bring that in when I when they start. Check by the way is a haircut straight out of the 1945s. That I do. That specific year. After the class, students told me the lessons hit close to home. Do any of you feel like you try to correct friends or family now based on what you've learned? Of course they do. Really? Yeah. I mean, like like when COVID first started, like my family like thought that. Wow, this is a hoax, but then I'm like, this is real. Like, people are really dying, getting sick from it. I really just wanted to believe that it was fake, you know, because I didn't want that to really happen to me. But look, oh my, I'm like losing my mind here. 
Of course, and naturally, you knew that was what he was going to say. You knew that was going to say, no, you know what? Nobody thought COVID was a hoax, right? I can tell you, I mean, maybe there's the very, very fringe conspiracy theories. And even that is not a misinformation. That's a knee-jerk opinion based upon the fear-mongering that was pushed out there. And you know what? If we're being honest, if we're being empirical in our assessment of, and using our critical thinking skills, of what happened, you could argue that COVID, as it was presented to the population, yes, was a hoax. Now, I'll call it a scam because it enriched everybody at the top of the food chain, especially with Big Pharma, and basically crushed the small businessman, the individual underfoot. But if you're looking at what we were promised, which is that millions were going to die within the first month of COVID rolling out in each country across the world, right? To a death toll in the first month of, well, whatever, 70 million people. Well, that didn't happen. Everything they told us would happen didn't. So if that's not a hoax, what is the definition of a hoax? Right. If Orson Welles has a hoax where he's talking about Martians invading and we look outside and Martians are not invading. However, the townspeople, because they were told that a Martian invasion was imminent, that they were flying saucers outside shooting everybody. If the townspeople went out and reacted as such, right, freaked out, all the store shelves were empty. They got all their vaccines. They got injected. They stayed home. They masked up. Right. It still doesn't mean the Martian invasion happened. It just means that people reacted as though it happened. And yes, people die of COVID. People are still dying of COVID. But when you have numbers that were reported by the government that now are vastly overinflated, and we know that to the tune of something like 30, 40, maybe even 50% of the population and also not subsected by, even the CDC has admitted, the majority of people, to almost 90% of these people, right, had four or more comorbidities. That's a hoax. We have been fooled. We have been lied to. That's what that means. That is the definition of a hoax. But please, Brian Stetler, tell me more about how the children should be edu educating their parents on reality, these fucking kids that are just now going back into classrooms. But it was real and it just changed everyone's lives, honestly. Maybe that gets to the motivations of you, you want to believe something, but you got to face reality head on. Are they like <laughs> fake articles? Like you maybe you want to believe it, but like it's not true. And you have to like research if it's really true or not. More traffic into this fake site. They also said their peers would Let's benefit from this class. Do you all feel like every student needs to be learning newsletters? Mm, there it is, guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There it is. There it is. You got that? You catch that right at the end there? Do you feel that every student should be learning news literacy? Yes. There you go. There's the bow around the package that's being pitched here. Government education centers are for indoctrination. The news media wants to pair and partner with government in order to control what your children think, what your children learn, what news is true, what government narratives are passed through to them that cannot be questioned. Of course, the Center for News Literacy run by all of the biggest news corporations in the world who want to control where your news comes from. Of course, they want every child in the American public schooling system to have to take this course, to be convinced that everything they see that doesn't come from a CNN or an ABC or a Reuters or an NPR is fake news and can't be trusted. That is what this was all about. And that is what's going to end this show, guys. So remember, also, at the end of this, before I sign off, to check out Burning Daylight from our buddy Matt McKinley. Great podcast. Liberty. Cattle wrangling. Drinking. Cavorting. Good times. Great guy, Matt McKinley. Love that guy. 
Check his podcast out, Burn In with an Apostrophe on the End, anywhere podcasts are heard. And don't forget, we have Alliance of Liberty Network here. So we've got Mark Claire on Mondays with the Lions of Liberty, uh, or Lions of Liberty with Mark Claire. We've got John Odermatt, of course, on Thursdays with, with Finding Freedom. I almost said Felony Friday. And me here on Electric Liberty Land every Wednesday for you. We all have individual feeds, guys. So check those out. I will be putting out bonus shows, bonus rants on the Electric Liberty Land feed. So go and subscribe to it. Subscribe to all three. Be kind. And then rewind if you want to hear some of our episodes on those different feeds, as well as staying subscribed to our main feed here because I'm putting together a Libertarians in Living Room Drinking Liquor bonus that will only be on this main feed. So there's something different on each feed, but you can, of course, just stay subscribed to the whole. It's up to you. I'm just letting you know that each one's going to have a little something, something. And yes, we've heard you out there in Patreon land. We are going to, I think, make the effort and probably going to put all of the content on one feed for our Patreon subscribers. That's all the Patreon content, all the content from all three feeds in one. Uh, We just haven't done it yet, but we're talking about it. It's probably going to (laughs) happen. It's probably going to happen soon. All right, that's going to do it, guys. Thanks for listening. Share the show. Tell a friend. Give me some reviews, especially if you're listening to the solo feed. I need some more reviews on that feed. Let's bump it up. And, of course, tell everyone you know that this is the greatest libertarian podcast network slash shows on earth. That's it. For me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty, from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged in to Liberty. Liberty.